You're listening to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Getting Mindful with Megan podcast. I am so excited that you're here. I'm so grateful to be able to speak to you today. I'm really excited about today's topic. We're going to be speaking on the mind-body-spirit connection. And this is a really buzzy school of thought. Like it's very wooey. You guys have seen it. It's branding for a lot of like hippie type of companies, including my own. I love mind, body, spirit, but that's because I really understand the deep meaning of it. So I want to teach that deep meaning to you. Actually in the yoga practice in Sanskrit, yoga translates from English or from Sanskrit to English to mean to yolk, to combine, to harmonize the mind, the body, and the spirit we are going to dive into what each one of those are, how we can harmonize them, how we can nourish them. And we're going to put a really special emphasis today on the spirit, because I think in our culture and in our society, the spirit is the one that gets left out the most. And it is the one that has the most oomph. It has the most goodness to it. So I want to give that more attention and more airtime because it often gets like left out. And it makes sense because our society is hyper-focused on the physical. Many societies that have come before us, many cultures, many tribes and communities were very focused on the spiritual side of things because they weren't as abundant as we are. They didn't have what we have. And so they had to rely on something outside of themselves. Now we've been blessed so abundant and our culture, my generation seems to be thinking that we don't need to focus on that, that we don't need to look at the spiritual. But in my eyes and in my belief is that it is actually the thing that brings the most peace. And when the spirit is nourished, that is when we find a true harmony in our internal environment and also in our external environment. So let's dive right in. Your mind is that analytical part of you. You know what your mind is, but it's the analytical. It's the part of you that processes information and it is in your brain, right? We also have our body. It's our physical self. It's the tangible thing right in front of you. Our culture seems to be very obsessed with the body. It wants to hyper focus on it when it comes to like health, right? We focus on the physical body. What can we actually see in an x-ray? We're not looking at what's going on in people's minds when it comes to their health, usually. We're not looking at people's spirits and their hearts when it comes to health, typically, in modern-day medicine. We focus heavily on the body. One of my favorite quotes ever says that the world works from the outside in, but the Lord works from the inside out. The world will take men out of the slums, but the Lord takes the slums out of people, and they take themselves out of the slums. So... In my opinion and in my belief system that I choose to believe, it is that the more emphasis we can have on the spirit and on the heart, the more that the mind and the body will follow organically and come into a really beautiful harmony and unison with the spirit and it will work together for our good. So one of the thoughts that has come to me as I was preparing for today's podcast is the heart goes first. What do I mean by this? Well, you have a spirit, okay? You have a spirit and it's always connected to God. This is the eternal part of you. It is here before you were on earth and it will be there after you die. 
it will be separated from your body after you die. But I believe that there'll be a time when it comes back together in perfect unison with the body and you will become spiritual and immortal at that time, that reunited body and spirit. So our work is to learn how to nourish this spirit and to learn from this spirit and to take wisdom from this spirit. Because in my eyes, the spirit is eternal, which means it has had experiences that we cannot remember because there was a veil or a forgetting when we were born. So the spirit knows things that we can't remember, but if we can get pure and close to our spirit, if we can become like it and see it and have pure eyes to see, then we will be able to draw wisdom from our spirit and we will be able to be guided by our spirit. So what I want you to recognize is that this spirit that is within you, a lot of people call it the highest self, right? Or your intuition, or there's so many different words for it. I'm calling it your spirit. And when you honor it and when you listen to it and obey it and you let it be your guide, I think that's where the most harmony can come in your life. So let's dive in. How do you nourish this spirit? How do you open up to it and unleash it and listen to it and become a part of it? Well, I have some simple ideas and some pretty complex ones. So the first one is to become as obedient as humanly possible, which isn't that great actually because humans have a hard time with this, but it's okay because we can always shift and come back into our truth and our fullness, but is to become as obedient as possible to the laws of God and the laws of this universe. As we become very obedient, it is a nourishing experience for the spirit. It feels like home. And let me give you an example of where this, you know, an analogy, I guess you could say. I've heard it said that in nature, the reason we feel so at peace, you know, like whenever I ask people, how do you get present? They always tell me, you guys, like literally always, people always tell me the exact same things. People get present in a very similar way. I go outside in nature. That's like the biggest thing. I get away. I get in nature and I just get still. And the reason why that feels so good, that's why it feels like the best place to be is because that all of nature, all of God's creations are in perfect obedience to his laws. And so if we want to get in, nourish ourselves and our spirits and become back to a place that's very familiar It would be to get into obedience with all of God's laws. So then I like looked up. I'm like, well, what even are God's laws? If that's true, you know, what even are God's laws? And if you're Christian, then God's laws are the Ten Commandments and the Sermon on the Mount. And I was thinking of the Sermon on the Mount and all the the Beatitudes and what Jesus taught in that sermon about, you know, take no thought of the morrow, have have trust, the earth is full, like those types of thoughts. And when we align with those and fully trust and and believe in those, it brings a lot of strength to the spirit and harmony in the mind and in the body. So what we're trying to do is we're trying to enhance the spirit so that it becomes the leader, so that it becomes the guide, so that the mind and the body don't override it, that the spirit becomes the master 
it's the same idea of training the animal within, right? We have the animal, which I saw in my mind as a mind and a body. And I am a separate entity, an eternal intelligence, which is spirit. And my mind and my body are to obey my spirit. Well, how do I get them to obey? One, I've got to create a really strong leader. I have to know what the spirit in me is saying and teaching. I have to draw on its wisdom. How do we do that? Number one, getting obedient to the laws of God. Two, I believe that as we spend time in nature where we get very present, as we spend time with things that are good and beautiful and truth, and we become familiar with those things, it invigorates feelings within our body and our soul and it nourishes us. So I'm going to give you some examples of those really simple things that nourish our spirit. I would say stillness and prayer and learning, which also nourishes the mind, by the way. A lot of these are going to overlap. But learning, how do we learn? I think we learn best in nature. I think we learn best through music. I think we learn best through art. I think we learn best through stories and learning from other people's experiences. I think we learn best through poetry and strong thoughts. And so as we start to really dive into the good and the beautiful that this world has to offer us and choose to see the good and the beautiful that this world has to offer us, that is a huge aspect of nourishing the spirit. There's opposition in all things. So we're going to be tempted to just focus on what's not working, focus on what's not good and beautiful. That is the temptation, right? But to nourish the spirit is going to require us to discipline ourselves and rejoice, discipline and see the good, discipline ourselves and be with the good, especially in our fast paced world where everyone's just going, 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 trying to accomplish, get, 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 get. If we can stop that madness, create more stillness discipline ourselves to see what's working and see what's good and then discipline ourselves to use our time on things that are good and beautiful and lovely and of good report like that is how we nourish the spirit within so what are some of those good and lovely things i named them being outside in nature it's so good for the soul you guys know it you've done it you felt it it's so good for your soul art now this one i i fought back against for a while because i'm i'm listening to an education philosophy about educating the heart and they talk about art and I was like I suck at art but I've decided to open my mind up and my heart up to art and as I have done it you guys like it's the same thing as as being in nature it brings this deep sense of presence and stillness and it brings a sense of like soul nourishing experience so like for me like spending time painting is like it's so soul nourishing my art, which is podcasting, which is teaching, which is sharing, like that is so soul nourishing to me. It nourishes me. So find an art, find an art that you love. Look at beautiful art. Just just be around beautiful, good and lovely art. Create, even if it's ugly, like even at first, like you struggle, like just create, it creates presence. It's so good for you. Another one is music. I love this one. Like Filling your mind with songs and music that are good and beautiful and lovely and like lift you. That is going to bring so much nourishment to the heart. 
there's so much terrible music though, right? Like there's so much music that goes the opposite way. And again, that's going to be the temptation is to focus on that, but instead to shift our eyes towards what is good and beautiful and spend time with it and be with it. That's how we become it. The next thing is that I have in mind is poetry and strong thought. So I love poetry. I used to think it was like the cheesiest thing ever, but I am obsessed with poetry because it's very much like thought work. It's like what I teach. They they took all of these really strong, good character building thoughts and then they make them in a way that you can remember them. So then your brain can become familiar with them. And as it becomes familiar with it, it becomes a belief and then it starts to be a guiding action for your life. And so I think memorizing poetry and just being in poetry and understanding poetry, not just poetry though, like I think listening to like strong thoughts, podcasts, like this kind of stuff, like good soul nourishing content is so important. Stories. Okay. So I'm going to tell you guys a story about stories. So I want my kids to understand some of the things that are important to me, right? And sometimes I try to lecture them and I try to tell them like, don't do this because of this, and it doesn't seem like it really works. But I've learned that if I tell them a story that illustrates a picture for them and illustrates a point, then they can understand it a lot better. So I'm going to tell you guys a story. So my little guy, James, was playing with a friend and the friend dumped out all his Legos and he has a huge bucket of Legos And he never dumps them out because he hates it. Like he hates cleaning it up. And so his friend didn't want to clean it up. And I told all the kids, I said, it doesn't matter who cleans it up, but we're not going to watch a show until it gets cleaned up. So if you want to watch a show, clean it up. And they all were fighting it and resisting it. Well, earlier that day, I had read my kids a story. The story is about a king. Many of you probably know it. There's people and they're going on this road. They're walking on the road and they have like their carts because it's back in the olden days and there's this big old stone in the road and everybody goes around. It's like the first guy's a farmer. He goes around. He's like, dude, this town, these people are so lazy. Why would they leave a stone in the road? Somebody needs to come pick this up as he goes around the stone. And then, you know, the next group comes and they do the same thing. They're like, oh, these people are so lazy. They need to do this, but they never do blah, blah, blah. And they go around the stone. And then the next person comes, this is like a band of soldiers, I think, and they go around the stone and they're like, wow, this town, like you would think they'd have some respect for their own town. Why would they have leave this giant stone in the road? And they go around the stone. And then a couple weeks later, a king says he's coming to town and he wants everyone to meet him. And so as the king comes to town, they meet at where the stone is. And the king says, I left this stone here and not one of you picked it up and moved it. You just walked around it. And then he walks over to the stone. He lifts up the stone and underneath the stone is a gold ring and gold coins for whoever moved the stone. And so he just gets this the box and he gets back on his horse and he rides away. The whole moral of the story is like, take accountability. Don't be a victim. Don't be lazy. Like it was them that was being lazy that by not moving the stone. And as I was reading this to my kids, they're like, but the farmer's the lazy one. Why doesn't he just move it? They understood so clearly. But then when it came to the Legos that got spilled, they didn't understand it. They were like, no, I shouldn't have to clean it. Somebody else dumped it out. I'm not cleaning it. And they all were fighting about it. And I was able to take that story and say to my kids, like, hey, like, remember this morning how we talked about this and you were saying that the farmer was so 
lazy because he didn't move the stone? What if that's true for you? And what if the treasure that you'll get is being able to watch a show, but also the treasure is that it just feels so good to be not a victim, to be a a person who problem solves and changes the reality. And so I taught that and they understood it. Like they were like, okay. And they went and they cleaned it up and it was really such a cool experience. But the reason why I'm sharing this with you is because when we listen to stories from the past, when we listen to history, when we hear it in story form or parable or analogy, it's able to hit our hearts different than a lecture. And you guys know that you've experienced it before, right? Like people who can share story and about what they're trying to teach, like there's just a special gift there. It's the way Jesus taught and it works because it hits our hearts. So I highly think that listening to stories, scripture stories, history stories, whatever kind of stories you want, as long as they're they're whole and they're good, they have the potential to nourish the spirit. The last one is, I said, let's see, I did music, nature, art, poetry, and stories. Oh, that's all of them. So these are all ways that I have found are very heart nourishing. There's a scripture that says in the last days that men's hearts shall fell them. And I think what it's saying is that maybe in the last days, people aren't going to know how to nourish their spirit. They're not going to know what to feed it, to help it to grow, to help it to be heard and live and guide and master. And so it's going to be our job to, we don't want our hearts to fill us. That sucks, right? Like We don't want that. We don't want our spirits to fill us. We want them to be the strongest force in our life because it is the thing that has the most wisdom and information for us that can lead us and guide us where we want to go. So we have to spend the time to nourish that spirit. Some other ways that we can nourish the spirit, I think, are prayer, which I said with stillness. I think being in our gifts and our talents is really soul nourishing. I think learning is soul nourishing. I think moving our bodies is soul nourishing. And there's so many things. There's so many things, but those are the ones I really want to focus on. So let's move on though. So if our spirit's being nourished, that means we're being obedient. We're to God's laws. We're not fighting with what is. We're drawing on the wisdom of our spirits that have lived on before us and will live on after us. We're learning through stories and nature and art and music. And we're doing those things that make us present and feel at home and peace within ourselves. Then that is really going to be so huge for your mind and your body. Because what I believe is that once we do those things, that the mind and the body just kind of follow organically in a way where all of a sudden the things like your body, your health just kind of happen organically. Because when you are living like that, health in your body is just as a natural byproduct of that. Does that make sense? So we spend so much time in our culture talking about the body and how to nourish it and how to make sure it's healthy and all of these things. When really, I think if we would spend more time nourishing the spirit, that the the body's health would just be a natural byproduct of that. And that the mind health would be a natural byproduct of that. So it really feels like my work to help people learn how to nourish their spirits and how to become more spirit led, to become more spirit oriented. So this week, as you go throughout your week and you want to harmonize the mind, body, and spirit, because that's how we become one heart and one mind, which is like Zion, which is like peace, which is like happiness and rejoicing and joy. My challenge to you is to find a way every day that you can nourish your spirit 
Start becoming aware of when you're looking at the negative. Start becoming aware of when you're focusing on what's not good and shift into what is good and lovely and feels abundant and happy and joyous because like that is what will nourish your spirit and then you won't have to be one of the ones that your hearts fail, you know? So I want to just spend the last couple of minutes talking about how to teach our kids because I know most of you guys are moms or dads and you really, really care about your kids and you don't want their hearts to fail them either. You want them to have really strong bodies and you want them to have really strong minds. And if you fall to the belief that I do, it's that the spirit is the most important and those things will come naturally. So we really need them to have strong spirits. So how do we help nourish their spirits? I have a couple of suggestions for us today. One, I think that we spend time finding what's good in our children. I think that's like a huge thing is seeing the good, being able to be with the good of them and notice it and be just be with it. That is so huge. So many times I've coached women, including myself, about kids and they just don't listen. And when we have that thought, we're literally prophesying and saying the exact opposite of what we want to believe and want to see happen. We're literally calling in the opposite thing. So I want you to be really careful, like, like find what they're doing well and focus on it and be proud of it and experience that with them because there's so much goodness in finding what's working and seeing the good and the lovely, even in our kids. The next thing is I would say like nourish their hearts by, by teaching them. And a lot of you guys know I homeschool, so I'm really passionate about this, but I don't think you have to homeschool to teach your kids. So obviously, so, so I, I want to invite you to spend time with your kids, like in nature, like let them play outside, let them have room to grow and explore and let their minds work, right? Give them space for stillness. So instead of constantly giving your kids a tablet or something to do to occupy their minds, let there be white space for them. Let them have space to be still and to explore and to learn and to move without needing like a buffer or a distraction. Another thing that I think can really nourish the spirit is giving them opportunities to be around really beautiful things like art and music. It's the same thing as the adults, right? As we let them be around these things and we give them these experiences, it's what will become familiar to them. And then they'll always, your brain is always going off of what's familiar. It's subconscious programming. So if we can help, you know, quote unquote, program their brains in a way that looks for what's good and that is custom to being around what's good, then as they get older, that will be what's familiar. And that's what their mind and their body will just accustom itself to. So the invitation is to have your kids be around good and beautiful things like art and stories and music and poetry and strong thoughts. And so what does that look like? I mean, like we have affirmations in our home. We have poetry that we memorize right now. My kids are memorizing a poem about trying really hard. My kids memorized one of my favorite poems that's like, Stick to the task till it sticks to you. Bend at it, sweat at it, smile at it too. They memorized that one. They memorized another one that's like, give the world the best you have and the best will come back to you. So like giving them these 
options and memorizing it with them, like learning with them. I think that's so important because like, if you just try to like, okay, you guys need to learn this, nourish your spirit while you sit on your phone, they're going to be like, no. But if you're like, let's memorize this as a family and you get into it, like they might have more interest in it and be more eager to get into it as well. But I love the idea of having children memorize poetry or strong affirmations or beliefs and having them repeat them regularly to you. And when they're going through something that's hard drawing on those and letting them use those as a tool to remind them what their spirit knows and what's true and what's true in their heart. So these are just some of my ideas on how to nourish the heart. I think you will find things and if you really open up, you'll know what you need to do specifically to help nourish your spirit and to educate your heart and to grow it and to make it strong and to nourish it. So nurture that spirit of yours. Give it everything it needs to grow. And I think you're going to find a lot more peace and harmony in your life. All right, you guys, thanks so much for being here. We'll see you next time.